Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Traction Pieces Podcast, episode 418. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Um, This week's guest is the amazing Katie Wicks. This was such a joy of a chat. I think I messaged Katie separately afterwards to say just how, yeah, just enjoyable it was, really. I know I say this every now and then, but you never know when it's a guest you've never met or never had any interaction with. Yeah, we really if, if felt like chatting to an old friend. Katie's got a new book out called Delicacy, a memoir about cake and death. And any regular listeners of the Distraction Pieces podcast will know cake and death are two very much on the table subjects in <laughs> in any conversation in this podcast. So um yeah, all the more welcome in this episode. And we talk a little cake and we talk a little death, but we also talk a big chunk of whales. We talk a little slice of Brett Goldstein. We talk a dollop of Stafflet's Flats, of Ladhood, which I'm a huge fan of. I've got Liam Williams on next week, who's who's the, the guy behind Ladhood as such. We talk this time with Alan Partridge. We talk Taskmaster. Um, we talk a whole load of weird and wonderful things. So... You're going to really enjoy this one. It's cracking. Uh, before we get into it, we are, as ever, brought to you by SpeechDevelopmentRecords.com. Christmas is coming, and SpeechDevelopmentRecords.com is your place to get Christmas gifts f- for yourself or for your l- loved ones. I've got some proper. I've got a proper weird new bit of merch coming. I've not done any new merch in a minute, but um, we've got some amazing stuff. If anyone, you or a friend, are a fan of my music. We've got the Distraction Pieces 10 Years White Vinyl, um, the 10-year anniversary double disc white vinyl. One of the discs I went up to the woods in Vancouver with my recording equipment and um, recorded a spoken word version of the album. So, so that's available. But also we've got all sorts of beanies, gloves, scarves, jumpers, hoodies, jackets, umbrellas, Everything you could possibly want for this time of year. So, um, yeah, head to speechdevelopmentrecords.com for all that goodness. I'm also sure that over the Christmas period, we'll do a little uh, a Patreon Zoom hangout at some point. Uh, we did one about a month ago now, or two, three weeks ago. And that's all patreon.com forward slash Scroobius Pip. It's like a dollar or two dollars um, a month. And, yeah, if you just want to chip in and support the podcast you can go there and do that but i mean let's let's start messing around and get into this wonderful episode with yeah the glorious katie wicks this is episode 418 of the distraction pieces podcast with katie wicks Right, I'll begin. I'm here today with Katie Wicks. How are you, Katie? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. I just, I've just got over like the big cold that was going round. Yeah, you know the one that wasn't COVID that was a lot like COVID because we've all been, you know, sheltering and aren't used to germs. That yeah, one. N- never a cold that's had more pressure attached to it because <laughs> yeah. of yeah because of more, COVID. More pressure. <laughs> Generally, you'll be like, oh, it's a cold. 
whatever whereas now you're like honestly it's a cold yeah exactly yeah i I swear it's a cold i um yeah i had to get an uber somewhere to get like pick up some medication and this poor guy i kept saying i've been tested i've been tested as i coughed every like 10 minutes it was really uncomfortable yeah i I was out out yesterday um and it wasn't a crowded place i'm still being more cautious than maybe i need to be but um something was just tickling the back of my throat and my assumption, because of my face, is that it was a hair, <laughs> that somehow a hair has got there and it was just tickling me. And the amount of effort it was, I didn't want to over-cough. Yeah. I was swigging water, but I could feel it still there. And I was like, oh, this yeah. is a nightmare. Because, yeah, I know I've been cautious. And when you try and stop yourself from coughing, it's so... Yeah. It's like your eyes start watering and you kind of... It feels like your head is bulging, like your head's going to explode. Yeah. It's a really weird it's feeling. It's impossible. Yeah. I try and convince myself a cough is a psychological thing <laughs> rather than the clear physical thing that it is. Like, nope, yeah. I think I think my way out of it. It's I got a, a coughing attack at a funeral about a month ago. Oh, no. I mean, I left the, I left the building in the end. I had no choice. But it was... Yeah, it's just awful. I think it's like yeah. a weird tension where people are kind of pretending that they that that's fine, but it it just isn't. <laughs> yeah, no, it's odd. And then I get weirdly judgmental if people are coughing and they do think it's fine yeah. because it's like it's really not at the moment, guys. Let's try and <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on. Um, well, there's loads of things I want to talk to you about. We'll we'll get onto it later. But you've been b- b- brilliant in I think. Four of my favourite things oh, yeah. ever. So there's a lot that um, I'm excited to get into. But before all of that, because I know the nature of podcasts is that the the longer they go on, the less people are listening. <laughs> oh, I no. want to get right at the start yeah. to talk about your book, Delicacy, a memoir about cake and, and death, which t- tells your story as such through 21 moments that all involve cake or have cake attached to them how did this all come about because you were working on this long before the pandemic right I'm I'm sure I remember hearing about it pre this obviously at the moment I'm getting pitched hundreds of comedians who've all had to stay home and write a book because of the pandemic but yours was already kind of yeah it's in um, the works yeah I guess I mean it's weird isn't it because I don't really think of myself as a comedian and yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I do comedy, but I feel like it's not... I'd hate to just do comedy. I'd sort of feel yeah. really, like, hemmed in and... Yeah, of course. I feel like once I... Well, yeah, sorry, I'll go back a bit. So, yeah, I've been working on it for about three years in total. And really, the first year was sort of, like, working out how to write a book and and how to write. Um, yeah. Because I didn't do uh, an English degree, I felt really... Just like, you know, it was beyond my capabilities to write. And so I just started to read and read because also I didn't really know what my voice was and I didn't really have a clear sense of my own taste um, when it came to prose. And I was so kind of swayed by, I would just read, you know, stuff that was on like a long list for an award or something and think, oh, well, someone else has said that's good. So I'll read that. But I didn't have the sort of confidence. I wasn't very kind of discerning. So I spent about six months just reading and tr- and sort of teaching myself how to write. And it sort of changed my life. I just had this completely different relationship now with with books and reading. And I became more, I mean, this sounds really embarrassing, but more interested in my own kind of thinking and 
And yeah. it was kind of a may it was less about, you know, outside and what was good, what was bad. It was like I spent three years, it was such a kind of privilege. It's, it feels so weirdly intimate to sit down and spend three years just on your own with a computer, working out what your thoughts and feelings are and trying to create this piece of work. So for that that's really is, yeah, changed me in, in some ways. And just the things I've read and the writers I've discovered has been like sort of more powerful than like times I've dabbled in, you know, self-help, say, or the more kind of therapeutic stuff, I, I didn't realise that actually like literature could do that for you. It could like change you and yeah. heal you and help you. So that's been really, really powerful. Um, and then I actually had to start writing and work out what I was, what this book was. And uh, Did you set yourself a deadline on, on the research part and the starting part? Because that is one that it's, it's never ending yeah. really. You can never be too prepared, yeah. but it can also mean that you spend... 10 years having a lovely time yeah, reading books yeah. and, and never get round to the part that started you on that path, I guess. Yeah, I could easily spend 10 years writing a book. It's, yeah, it's such a nice stage when no one's seen it and it's just like, but um, yeah. no, the, the editor and everything, the publishers, they were really, really patient with me because the other thing, oh, I forgot to say was, so when I started writing the book, it was going to be this quite light twee thing and then people started dying and then in my life and then like, you know, traumatic things started happening and my mental health was pretty bad at one point. So suddenly it just became a totally different book. So I kept having yeah. to email the publisher being like, someone else has died. I'm really sorry. I'm going to need another, you know, wow, eight weeks yeah. here, guys, to think about that. So they were really <laughs> considerate. But maybe I think they thought maybe, oh, well, whatever she comes back with, it will be juicy and you know, it'll be, yeah. it'll be better for it because she will have emotionally bled in this next section. And I sometimes got paranoid that they were like, oh, great, she's written about that. <laughs> I always remember having a moment when I was, I was I was doing music and I came from like a spoken word background and music. And I always remember having a, a, a bad breakup and being in a, a bad way at home. And just before I fell asleep, it genuinely, I felt so guilty, but it genuinely crossed my mind. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to write some good stuff off the back yeah. of this, though. It, yeah. Like this is r- rubbish now, but you give this a couple of months, and obviously that's very different when death is involved. But still, it's I can understand your thought that editors may be going, yeah. this is very sad, but the book might just have got <laughs> even better. Yeah, no, it it was a relief to have something to write about because yeah, something that was um that was complex and, and deep enough that I could, you know, have 21 chapters about it. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, I almost wrote those chapters first because I thought, okay, like, you know, my car accident, I'll have to write about, like the big hitters, the big sad yeah. sort of headlines. And then the challenge was, well, first of all, I felt a little restricted by this kind of theme I'd given myself because sometimes coming back to the theme of like sugar and cake and sweetness and stuff like Sometimes it would be a bit of an albatross and I think, oh shit, like, how am I supposed to crowbar a cake into this? And it would be tricky. And I had to manipulate a little bit sometimes, but that's fine. And yeah, there were times where I was really cursing the whole theme and thinking, why did I do that? Why couldn't I just sort of said, this is like some stories. But when I got stuck, I, I read a lot of female memoir and then I would just read about someone's experience and either it would trigger a memory of something similar that happened to me and I think oh my god yes I can I'd love to write about that or it was also a lot about 
permission to write about certain stuff because I would sort of think, oh, that's too boring or, or you know, I no one's going to be interested in these really kind of small domestic experiences or something that just felt really boring to someone else. Like there's a chapter I kind of, I think I write about my dolls or something from my childhood bedroom and I just kind of think I had to read other writing to have the confidence to be like, yeah, I want to write about a doll I had when I was 13. Like, fuck it. Oh, that's what I was going <laughs> to say as you were saying that. It's the confidence, yeah. isn't it? Because there's stuff that I've read that has blown me away because of how confident it yeah. is to not be juicy yeah. and to not be full of drama and this and that. But it's been my favourite yeah. parts of books. So I guess it's allowing yourself that and go, well, other people might have the faith or see me in a way that goes, right, they're perfectly comfortable to yeah. be reading this rather than you looking at yourself and going, what am I going on about? Yeah, Who wants yeah. to hear my views on Yeah, on I really this? love, yeah, and some of the writers I love, it's like those small, just small, like intense detail about stuff is my favourite thing to write about. And yeah, I, I, I really love it when I read that another writing, like just these small tragic details. <laughs> Murakami was the one yeah. for that with me. I read a couple of his books that just went off on such seemingly pointless tangents. And on some of them, I'm waiting for the whole rest of the book for that yeah. to come back in and have a reason. And then it yeah. didn't. And that made me all the more happy. It was like, right, that was just a joyous moment away from what's happening here. And yeah, yeah I, I love stuff yeah, like me that. Too. If I, there's a short story of his that I listened to not long ago. And it was, it had like, about four pages of like a description of someone driving and it was so (laughs) kind of mesmerizing yeah I I feel like it's a kind of commitment to it that I really respect where I sort of think okay I trust that there's some reason that you're going into this much detail about something it's 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 that thing isn't it of slightly slow it makes me feel like I'm slowing down and paying attention to something really small and in a kind of self-helpy way that's very it's very like mindful and good for you to do that isn't yeah. it I guess like good for the soul speaking of of mindfulness and good for the soul or what was the the different experiences I guess of writing about you know some heavy experiences from your past versus writing about some heavy experiences from like last week yeah. or a month ago as as you were going through stuff at the time did it help to have pen and paper or the the proverbial pen and paper to to get through what you were experiencing at the time yeah it's weird because in some ways there were days where I was sort of worried that I was almost like prolonging the the grief and prolonging the trauma somehow by going over and over it and writing it yeah but also weirdly having to redraft y- yes, your trauma yes, exactly. that's, kind of, that's but intense then also the opposite let's have another go at that let's have another go at that tragic <laughs> thing that's really enough. raw still but then also in a really grubby way when i when i got to the editing stage the, the opposite happened that i was so like detached from that it was me i felt yeah. like i was i was like just this sort of weird narrator character <laughs> that happened to have my name yeah. and my life and I was just seeing it as like, okay, is that the right word? And is is that does that sentence need to move around? Like I was really detached from it by the end. It's 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 it can be beautiful how that can you make something that could end up being damaging to you or or anything else. You make it its own piece of yeah. art, and then it does it. It has a different a position. I used to have it a lot with 
again, when I was doing music, uh, I would forget that half of these songs were really raw and personal at the time because they've become, here's how I need to perform it, here's what I want to get across with it. And you forget that it's stuff, almost almost forget that it's stuff, as you say, that happened to you rather than someone that happens to share your name or your your memories. And when people would, would ask me if it was difficult to write, I think, well, sort of partially for the reason I assume they mean which is the content but also because I really wanted it to I just wanted the writing to be good I think that was equally as hard <laughs> like the the the, yeah. the the craft of it was as hard or I think it's also really vulnerable to sort of say you know I think this is good writing have a look at this like that to me is as vulnerable as here's a story about something really shameful that happened to me. And when we put both together, it's like, what am I doing? I'm going to have a breakdown. This is terrifying. <laughs> to yeah. show someone you're writing and it's about your life, it's just like, what? What? why? Why would you do that? It's horrible. It's really embarrassing <laughs> to write you know, a book. <laughs> completely understand. What, what? What's your kind of writing and, and drafting process? I know from my experience on on scripts in particular that the good ideas tend to come out in the first yeah. draft but everything needs cleaning yeah. up and, and polishing it's on the redrafts it's every now and then it happens but there's rarely a, a light bulb moment or a gem moment it's more right in this big pile of shit there's one yeah. really nice <laughs> thing that i need to pot t- tidy everything up and get a nice little path to yeah. it or what's your kind of process in in that in that world yeah I feel like the the first draft is always like you know really over emotional and really out of control and like every yeah. thought and feeling I ever had a, about xyz and it all yeah. goes down like a big vomit listening to music helps as well like if I if I find a piece right. of music that matches the sort of emotion of it somehow and I don't really it kind of anything that hasn't got lyrics I find yeah yeah and otherwise that's like a whole other thing but it will be like a big like purge and then I'll, I'll sort of leave it, come back to it. And then it's kind of like, okay, that those kind of go together and those thoughts go together or that's repeating itself. Don't need that. And try and um, like work out what the whole thing is trying to say, I, I suppose. I also think like the thing that I found really useful is just having like making friends with people that are smarter than me. <laughs> Who are more? Who have read more books than me? And I have one friend in particular who's like a sort of bit of a mentor now. That I'll just show them stuff, and their their you know their thoughts are always really amazing. Yeah. And because they know me well, they sort of know what I'm what I'm trying to probably say. And they'll just be able to sort of make me be more precise, which was the best note anyone ever gave me. Because I used to sort of think, you know, if I read a poem or something. It wasn't about like getting it. It was just like, oh, okay. I think this poem kind of makes me feel like this. And this friend of mine who I really, you know, respect and defer to was sort of saying, no, like it should make sense though. Like it definitely should make sense. I was like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's not enough for me to be like, oh, I had this vague feeling once. Like I should like pin it down exactly what it felt like and why and how. And that was really opened up a whole sort of door in my head of like yeah yeah it's not about sounding kind of like dreamy and sort of a bit vague it's like it should be really like just precise and clear what you're trying to say even if it's something as complicated as grief which is like lots of emotions all at once 
that was so so helpful to try and just and I guess it's weird because it does remind me of like having only previously written comedy there is obviously something very similar there of like stripping it all away until the thing you're trying to say and and get it really clean and like precise so that that's the process I think really is like making it like as economical but like a sort of punch (laughs) yeah I'll I'll always remember that these podcasts used to always tend to be like 90 minutes to two hours and I wouldn't accept any under an hour and we're going to get around an hour today but um, I always remember the first time I got one that all they could give me was 40 minutes it was someone I really wanted to talk to um, so I accepted it and I came out thinking man I could make all of them about 40 minutes and it'd be far more precise (laughs) and and it'd be less rambling part of the beauty can be the rambliness but I completely relate there that I came out more, more exhausted because I was so conscious of right no messing about just let's get straight to this let's not pussyfoot yeah. around anything no but it's kind of um oh, it's kind of heartbreaking yeah. to realize that though because it feels so nice to it feels like more is more <laughs> when you're in the yeah. moment it feels like oh this is this two-hour conversation is amazing we're gonna have more choice and but I but I yeah I see what you're saying sometimes it's like it's a bit like when people, I mean, I don't have kids, but it's a bit, it kind of reminds me of friends of mine once they had children and they sort of said, well, the weird thing happens with time is that because I have less time, I get more done because I'm more focused. And like, yeah. we were talking to Daisy, you know, she wrote that amazing show, Back, Back to Life. Yes, um, Daisy Haggard. Yeah, I remember, I think she was saying that like, it's more like if you have, you know, she'll have like a 40 minute window. So she just has to get, something written and emailed off in that 40 minutes and whereas I could easily be like oh you know it's two o'clock and I'll start I'll start at five (laughs) p.m and I'll do I'll get something emailed at midnight um and it's like I have to spend the whole day gearing myself up but I just thought that's actually I don't know there's just like a real life lesson there that if you have no time then you've just got to like write something I completely understand that I fluked I once fluked a really successful trip to LA to have meetings and that on, on the acting front. And all I could spare was a week. And my agent had said in advance, like, look, you're probably not going to get many meetings in because you've got such a limited amount of time. You kind of need to come for a month, blah, blah, blah. And then, 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 then by the time it came about, every day was full. And it was because we were having to say, look, he's only got this limited <laughs> amount of time. And it made it. We had to fit everything in. If you're like... Oh, Pip's in town for a month. They'll be like, oh, we'll try and get something yeah. in. But because it was that limited time, it was like every gap was yeah was filled up. So there really is, is something in that. It makes me, me think as well as of before I started writing scripts, it, or I guess it's a case of the, the, the right format for each individual project or thing. Because yeah. I always wanted to lean on the sh- sh- I'd, I'd read about Shane Meadows and read about it not being scripted yeah. and all this kind of thing and that made me too lazy to write a script <laughs> because in my head it was like no it's going to be all improvised all that it's like is it improvised because of the project or is it improvised because I can't be asked to sit down yeah. and write a script yeah. and I realized that 90 percent of the time it was my own laziness going it's an artistic choice it's going to be <laughs> yeah. it's going to be improvised it's like yeah. no you're not Shay Meadows, so um, maybe plan <laughs> you it. Want, you want to be him. You want to be yourself. <laughs> yeah, it was like exactly. the the book ended up being lots of tiny, you know, fragments, like little 
chapters. And that was because I realized my like attention span is like shot to shit. (laughs) So it was like accidental that it ended up. And also I think that I didn't want it to be a straightforward memoir that was like, I was born and then this happened to me and it's all sort of chronological. I think I would have just found that really boring to write. I sort of think it ended up being like almost how we, you know, closer to how we experience life of all these like strange little stories and scenes going around in your head. (laughs) It kind of ended up feeling like I was looking through a kaleidoscope at life and just sort of going, oh, that's there and that's there. And, you know, this weird, like lots of little shards but I realised that, like, I'd love to... I have kind of fantasies about could I write a novel and I just think the idea of just one story beginning to end really freaks me out. Like, I love yeah. kind of having those little chunks of I just have to finish this, this page, and then I can, like, leave my laptop. Yeah, I think that kind of... To structure something so big kind of scares me. Yeah, I can completely understand that. It's all a case of finding the small tasks are within the bigger task yeah. isn't it again i know a, a lot a lot of writers who talk about that all the time that the idea of writing a novel is overwhelming yeah. who who gets up one yeah. morning and thinks i'm going to write a novel yeah. whereas if you think i'm going to open my laptop and i'm going to write a couple of pages yeah. then that's far more achievable or even just i'm going to open my laptop or i'm going to jot down a rough idea you know these smaller things then become yeah yeah, exactly. Far more achievable. So, yeah. I mean, sp- speaking of it being bite-sized pieces, pardon the pun, <laughs> what made you come up with the cake, kind of connecting a cake to each memory and each story and each moment? How did that initially come about? I know you like... said you almost regretted coming up with it in the end. but <laughs> Well, yeah. do you know, it's funny, like, I mean, it's sort of my fault because I've got it on the front cover and it's there and there's the word cake and a picture of cake, but, like... I feel like, you know, so quickly it's not a, it becomes about something else. And in my mind, it was always like this bit of scaffolding that was just a way into stories about so many other things. But I do, I do think I needed something to, to hold it all together. But yeah, like, I guess like, as I've sort of been talking about it, which is a whole other crazy side of putting something out there it's like you know there's the making it and then there's the talking about it. It's just been really bizarre because I, I feel so aware that like, I can't, I'm not as good at talking as I am at like spending hours writing something and getting it perfect. It's like, I'm just going to then say something, which is like a shit version of the book. Yeah, It's like, I can't. Each each interview is just, just read (laughs) it. I spent a lot of time explaining it in the book. Don't make me explain it now. I've so long choosing the right words. um, (laughs) So because the, the first story I had, or the first kind of clear memory I had was like about going to France with my mum and, it being quite a weird trip and me eating this cake and sort of feeling like I was high, like kind of feeling off my face on this like sugar rush, but more than that, like a feeling of, um, you know, like when people say they have their first drink, that kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, that's the only thing I can equate it to, like really similar to friends of mine that talk about their addiction. So I remember quite young being like, Oh, okay, this, this is, this is going to be my thing. It's going to be, it's going to be food. So I I always had that image in my head and I suppose how I roughly was structuring it was that I sort of thought that that was the beginning of the the problem, like the first cake. And then Mm. it sort of how it kind of, it worked for a bit, you know, did its job and then it suddenly stopped working. And then it was like, oh, actually this isn't 
um, how you deal with your emotions. And then the rest of the book was sort of like, not a kind of, you know, here's her manual of here's how to get better, but a kind of like hopeful way out of it again. So I sort of roughly had that as the story in my head. But, But also I think, yeah, so then I, so I always, I started with it and then I kind of thought, okay, well maybe I'll keep going because actually the second story kind of has a cake there and maybe I can do this every one. So it just, it just unfolded like that. And yeah, like I said, sometimes I just thought, well, well this has got nothing to do with cake, but that's fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> I still want to talk about this. Yeah. Just because there isn't a cake involved, it doesn't make it any less Yeah, and it's worth, worthy. It's really weird to me, like, the, the the things I was attracted to to write about I don't know why just certain things I just go oh yeah yeah I've, I I think I've got things to say about that and like weirdly there's so little to do with like TV and comment and all of that side of my yeah. life just felt like almost the least interesting I think <laughs> to write about yeah I I think that's I, I I've always been a big advocate of the fact that um the way I think of it is in the happy and exciting moments, we we do everything we can to stay there and be there and take it all in. And in the heavy and dark moments, we do everything we can to get away yeah. from there and into a better place, understandably. But it means they're the far more interesting for me as a writer as well to explore, yeah. to, to look back at. Because it's like, right, that was an intense moment where I wasn't really looking around and taking everything in. I was probably absorbing it all, but I certainly wasn't thinking make the most of this. Yeah. Like you might be on an amazing um, acting gig and you'll be thinking at some point, oh, you know, this will be over at some yeah. point. I need to make sure I enjoy every moment <laughs> and take it all in. You don't have that with the dark times. No, yeah, um, yeah. So I think it was, for me, it's why I've always been more fascinated by those heavier areas to go, right, what was going on there? And what were the emotions that I kind of, I, f- I fast forwarded through to try and get to, the point of happy yeah. on the screen. Yeah, sometimes such. it's only once you're through them as well that you think, oh, okay, yeah. I've, I I learned something or yeah. I feel different. And yeah, I really struggle to write about joy and I don't, I don't quite know why. I think there's something, there's almost something a bit vulnerable about it. Like I find it much easier to sort of say, <laughs> it's, there's something more, yeah, more vulnerable in saying, oh, this is what I really care about and find joyful. Like I don't know whether... It's almost like I yeah. want to protect it because it is so special. Yeah. And I guess also it plays into the whole thing about writing about other people and how you do that, you know, like ethically, how you do that responsibly. And that that was tricky as well, you know, and, and partly because obviously I'm writing about people that are dead. So I sort of mm. think, oh, great, I can, I can do what I want. Um, <laughs> but there were times where I felt really guilty and I there were so many things particularly with my my parents who are, are both dead now and that's partly what the book's about spoiler alert that's what happened in the book <laughs> but um I suppose there were so many bits I took in and out you know I just couldn't decide and then I think there was one day that one of my dad's friends had texted me in that really like sweet way the way like my friend's parents are sort of trying to step yeah. in and be really you know a, sort of being like surrogate parents for me a bit and yeah, I think it was when my dad's friend texted me, said something like, oh, I've just seen something that you've written a book. And I suddenly thought, oh, shit, like, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about... People are going to read like, it. friends of <laughs> yeah. my friends reading it. And I suddenly yeah. felt terrible. And then I kind of thought, well, it's kind of my... I'm sort of entitled to just write about what I want to write. It is kind of my story. Yeah. So, fuck it. 
<laughs> but I did take stuff out because I just panicked. I just thought I can't, I can't throw them under the bus completely. But I think it was quite a considered, like they're flawed people doing yeah. their best. Oh, 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 was the relationship with your editor important there, or the publishers in in general, to kind of have those people you, who you can say, look, do you think I should leave this in, or is it okay to take take this out? What do you think? Yeah, they, they know, were really patient. The editor was, was great. He was a really lovely guy. And, yeah, he was just so patient as I missed, every, like, deadline after deadline after deadline. He would just come <laughs> around and we'd sort of joke about it, like, all right, see you, speak in another month. Um, and they must be so used to that. That I must be so. such a common thing with writers. <laughs> I, think so. I think so, especially, like, a whole book. It's like, yeah, it just seems impossible at the beginning that it's ever going to be there and I I feel like I feel like my body is so relieved it's over because I just was like sort of this like a sort of bent yeah I sort of was like and also like it's I'm so stupid because I I have like a proper desk and I would try and write there and suddenly I'd just be like on the sofa in a ball like with my laptop on my chest and I'm just terrible. I'm... It's fascinating where's right yeah. to right, isn't yeah, it? Really Mine weird. has changed from in my garden to a bench near some water to in nice. bed. Like I had, I had a point where I had my desk all set up and I was getting loads done because like I've got my desk. Yeah. And then I hit a wall. And the one day I decided to just write in bed. Yeah, I love writing in bed. I was back bed. off at the races. Yeah. I was just like, right. I don't have to be at the desk yeah. and feeling all, like that helped in some moments. In some moments that helped to be dressed and upright yeah. and feeling like a writer, but sometimes just Definitely. bed, the curtains open a little bit, <laughs> you know, but not much. By water sounds Tiny nice. little bit of light and then just going, let's go, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to write by water. Yeah, there, there was a point which sounds so like romantic, but um, there was a point quite early on where I went to Venice for like five days or something and um uh, loads of water loads there of water, perfect loads of water. and um <laughs> it was kind of half holiday but i went with another uh, another writer so it was like half holiday half like you know if we want to do something creative yeah. we can which was perfect and i wrote i sort of got up every morning early and wrote at this like little rustic kitchen table i had like the shutters open like it was like a washing line up with loads of like white vests it was just like this real it. italian cliche and um, yeah. I got so much done, I think, because I felt like a writer. I, fe- I felt like I was in a film about someone that was writing a book. So yeah. I could sort of, like, play the part of someone who was writing. And it really yeah. helped. It was like an acting gig. It was like, oh, I'm I'm a writer in Venice this week. And uh, it yeah. was great. It really helped me to feel like it was it was real. You know, I really believed that I could write. And it was great. And that versus, yeah, sitting like in Peckham in a coffee shop. Yeah. It's just not it's just not the same. I love it. I had, had such a similar experience of a week in, in, in Portugal where I'd gone there and the weather wasn't great, but I was like, I'm here to write anyway. So, so what does it matter? And as as you say, it is you're getting into that character yeah. of I can imagine this scene yeah. in the film about this writer, yeah. about me writing this book. <laughs> when this book has changed the world. Yeah. This is I can imagine this scene, but I think the other thing I realized that made a big difference was the only time I was watching TV or film, I was watching good stuff. 
Yeah. Because I wasn't in the UK where I can just put the TV on and have anything on to to distract me. I was like, I'm going to watch this amazing French film I've heard about that I've brought the DVD along with me with, rather than I'll put Jeremy Vine on for a bit and get angry at someone's opinion. It's like, what am I doing? Yeah, I think that was a big difference. Just regardless of the country, being out of the country that I have access to, or out of my house, I guess, where I've access to so many of my chosen distractions. It makes me realise how much I've missed travel, this conversation, and and how environment is so... I think environment's probably really affects your creativity doesn't it 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 it, like it it must do like sometimes yeah I think it's even just like just sitting in a different corner of of the room I sort of be like oh I'll sit here and try this and see if that changes anything and I can write differently but yeah like writing in bed is yeah it's a real indulgence I love it who was it was it Florence Nightingale that spent the the whole last few years just writing letters in bed (laughs) I think it was she had like a bed desk that sounds great Good honour. Well, I mean, sp- speaking of changing environments and environments influencing things, you grew up in, in Cardiff. Yeah, yeah, just outside of right? Cardiff, yeah. Only reason I, I bring all this up, I know it's so, so podcast to be, what was it like growing up and what was your route <laughs> into acting that? But I fucking love Cardiff. Yeah, and I, it's great, I love isn't it? Wales. Cardiff and Wales were the first places I went to kind of outside of, of my local area. And my brother... I went to uni in Lampeter. Oh, really? And we're three years apart. So it's ju- just as I was learning, to, I'd learned to drive. So they were my first trips to go oh, in. Right. And we'd meet in Cardiff or in Lampeter. And that was, yeah, it's always held a special place for me. So how was that? And what was, was there kind of a window to say that one of your options is acting? writing all these other things yeah what were your, we, we used to go roots? on holiday in Lampeter there was like we used to go yeah. on caravan holidays yeah yeah, yeah I really love I it I love it there it's such a small little yeah villagey God, I town haven't, I haven't even thought thing. about was... that place in in years yeah yeah we were really little it was really beautiful yeah so I grew up in like a it was like a village about half an hour outside of Cardiff there were like I don't know, like three buses a day or something that would take you, like you know, into Cardiff city centre. Yeah. It was so funny, like, like as a young teen, it it was just, it was like you know, going into the city just felt like this huge, magical, exciting thing, and it's yeah. so weird now. To, when I when I'm, um, you know, I have so many friends that grew up in London, and that made me realise how it is quite unique and special place to grow up, yeah. like. Somewhere that has like... Well, or again, for anyone who's listening from America or anything, you say it felt magical. This <laughs> city has literally got a castle. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. pretty that's pretty damn magical yeah, yeah, that yeah. you're going into the city and there's a big, big castle, castle in the middle with of like it. these like, weird animal gargoyles all around it. Yeah, yeah it is magical. It's so funny. I can see why it would feel magical. No, totally. It's like <laughs> real, you know, like Merlin and and an afterland. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and also I didn't even realise. I think, like, when I went to Stonehenge not long ago, on my one little trip in the middle of lockdown when we were, like, allowed out around the country yeah. finally, we went <laughs> we went to Stonehenge because I'd just never seen it. It was so special. But anyway, my point is I didn't realise the stones came from Wales. I was really excited. Oh, so really? It is I didn't so magical. know that at all. But, um, yeah, so, like, I... Yeah, now, now when I look at it, I think it was it was quite... This village I grew up in, you know, it was, it was quite eccentric. There were just really strange characters like you get in these, in like villages. Yeah. And I think it's, um, 
yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I think it's because I sort of decided that maybe because it was quite rural. It was it was pretty much like the countryside. And I, I sort of think maybe because there's more space, people just sort of uh, there's more space to just become weirder. and People just get on with it. And, yeah. and the way that when you're packed in, in the city, it's a bit like if you suddenly start hoarding newspapers, your neighbor's going to go, what what's the person like a number four doing? Yeah. But yeah, you, you bump into less challenges. Yes, exactly. Your weirdness like, is challenged far you, less frequently. You can, really, you can go a week without yeah. anyone going. Why are you wearing those yeah, on your you face? Can, you could really go for it. <laughs> so there's so many sort of people like that that were just real like eccentrics, and their house would just be as eccentric as them. These higgledy piggledy yeah. houses that someone would like paint pink or something halfway up a hill and. Remember, this is quite a weird thing to say, but I remember that when I was about 13, it suddenly seemed like about 20 people died in one week in the village. Right. And I just remember being like, because I was quite a weird kid. I was into like really mystical things and anything that was supernatural. And I had been doing these spells in my room and I became convinced that I'd killed oh, everyone wow. in my village by doing a spell. And I remember getting really upset about it and saying to my mum, like, I, 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 I lit this purple candle in my room and I said this thing. And then suddenly all these people died. I mean, this has got six part Netflix series written <laughs> yeah, all over right. it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so perfect. Yeah, you're right. It's very in witchcraft again. But um, yeah. So that's like the more romantic memory of it in that it was like yeah. a weird place. And all those cliches about, you know, like, it's good for the sort of imagination, I think, when you're just sort of playing in a field and you've got like mud and a stick and that's like, that's what you have to play with. Yeah. <laughs> Not that we had toys, but... I think I think <laughs> boredom can be a great yeah. inspirer. Yeah. I've, I've def- like the reason I've never left the small town in Essex I've always lived in is I think in London I'd be far too distracted yeah, yeah, it is. to get as much done as I get out here. I've, You know, it's the modern w- world, so I've still got pl- plenty of distractions, <laughs> yeah. but still I think being that bit away from stuff yeah, like before can be great for productivity. Totally, like um, my, my parents had been, had gone to drama school in Birmingham, like in the 70s, that's where they'd met. Yeah. So they, it's kind of funny because they kind of had their accents like trained out of them because in those days it right. was this whole thing of like, well, you can't, you can't say Shakespeare and... You know, my dad was like from Pontypridd. You can't do it. Everyone had to sound like a newsreader. So it's quite sad in a way. So it's like me and my brother don't really, we kind of speak like them because people are like, why don't you have like a sort of strong Welsh accent? I'm like, I don't know, because my parents sort of just... Forced out of the family. Yeah, so that was quite weird. And that, that made me feel a little different. Like I think in school I really, until I went off to uni, I sounded a lot more Welsh. I was going to say, did was your parents... Daddy and in the Midlands, what drew you to Warwick? Because again, it's as it's it's that whole area. Was it just coincidence? <laughs> it's just it's where, where they accepted you. Yeah, this is where I got in. I think. And did your accent get stronger there? Because when I was at uni in Wolverhampton, I became far more Essex than I'd like. I'd come oh, yeah, home from yeah. uni, and people would be like, "Why are you talking like you're in Lockstock?" <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like for some reason as a defence mechanism. Yeah, I mean, I'd get far more Essex. I than, remember like than I, <laughs> the first week saying something, something. You know, can I borrow some toothpaste? And this girl was like, some what? Excuse and I was me? like, Tooth, toothpaste. And she was like, you mean toothpaste? And that was a bit embarrassing. But um, yeah, no, I was saying, oh, that's right, because I, yeah, like when I went off to uni, that was the first time I'd met people that were growing up in London, and one of my best friends in the world who like is from North London and 
and we met and we became best friends in that first week. And I just remember thinking like, God, everyone that grew up in London is, they've all like done every drug already. They've, they've all like lost their virginity. They've all like got the coolest clothes. Like they just done it all. They had like the best yeah. music taste. Like I remember just being like, fucking hell, like they seem 10 years older. And I felt really yeah. like shocked and, you know, like such a naive little bumpkin is how I felt. <laughs> so I remember finding that, but also realising that the place I grew up, it kind of had its own sense of humour and weirdness and quite specific eccentricity, yeah. which I also now feel really grateful for. And um, when I was talking to Kiri Pritchard McLean on her radio show about the book, who's from, I think she's from Anglesey, and she was saying, oh, you know, like, that there's so much stuff in the book that feels really well, like it has a really Welsh quality and I don't know what that is, but yeah. it's like these like short little sad poems almost that we had to like study in Welsh language. And I don't know, it, I really liked it. Like whatever that means, I was like, yeah, no, I totally, I see what you're saying that there's some sort of sensibility there. Um, yeah. If you've grown up in South Wales, which I imagine, like in, I read, um, I think her name's Sarah Perry. She wrote The Essex Serpent and a book called right, Essex yes. Girls. So I read one of them and it was about, it was about like Essex girls and it was like Essex girls from different times in history and stuff. But I guess she was saying a similar thing, like that there's, I guess there's quite a, there's quite a specific feel to where you're from, I guess, as well. Yeah, yeah, completely. And it's always interesting because, again, before you came and met all these people from L L L L London, you would know the great nuances from your village to the village over yeah, or yeah. the weirdos in this <laughs> this village over there or they're the real the real weird ones. And I always remember when The Only Way is Essex blew yeah. up and thinking, that's not the Essex yeah. I know at all because that's the wealthy part of right. Essex. Oh, okay, that's the interesting. Poorer, the poorer parts of Essex, it's kind of like, right, no, that's not, It's it's not as... In many ways, it's not as nice as that, but it's certainly not as polished and shiny yeah. as that. But yeah, I never yeah. knew that. It's funny. I don't really know it at all. Like, I don't have like reason to go there. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I feel like yeah. if you've grown up outside of London, it's like I know South Wales, and then I know zones like one to four, <laughs> and I don't really <laughs> know much about what's in the middle because I just never have reason to go there. Yeah. So it's really fun, but I never knew that 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 was like the posh part of Essex, but that makes sense. Yeah. Or, or the the wealthy part, yeah. at, at least. Um, well, I mean, before, or to kind of lead on to, to acting a bit, because I do want to nerd out over some of the shows you've done, do you think growing up in Cardiff now would be very different on that front to when you did? Because there's so many studios and stuff yeah, have opened yeah. in Wales. Like I've done two or three TV shows that are like, They've now built a whole studio just outside Cardiff or down even further south and and things like that. It feels like so much, yeah, it's crazy. Particularly isn't it? from America, has moved there because it's got big, beautiful locations. Yeah. Wales and Ireland seem to yeah. be the two that American studios have gone. It's it, it looks medieval <laughs> still. If you go, you drive ten minutes yeah. out of a town and you've yeah. got a set. Like we don't have to build the set. We can actually yeah, shoot totally. in this rolling landscape yeah no it's yeah it is exciting like i i've got a few mates who who like did design and set design and stuff at royal Welsh college and they yeah. it's like they can just graduate and get employed you know not all of them yeah. but it's like yeah. i know a few people that are you know building sets down there and they've just gone straight into the employment which is which i guess would have been unheard of yeah like 
10 years ago or whatever. Um, I mean, now Lord of the Rings and stuff are coming over here as well. It's going to be like the truck driver issue. There's not going to be enough (laughs) set builders and techs. We're going to have to open up more EU passports for people to come and and build all this stuff. That'd be my dream job. I'd love that. Amazing, right? Yeah, if if it doesn't, if the acting doesn't work out, I could quite easily just like build something. Yeah, get get my drill out. I made some flat pack furniture yesterday. Took me two and a half hours, but I actually really enjoyed it. <laughs> but I I reckon if you had an AD screaming in your ear, you could have done that in an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> if I had someone dressed as a hobbit looming over me, saying I I need this chair Come built on, now. I need that now. I like well, the idea that the set is all flat pack for, for, for yeah, the Hobbit's yeah. village. <laughs> yeah, a little flat pack Hobbit home. Hang on, I'll turn the instructions round. I've lost me Allen key. Um, so, so what was your route into acting and stuff? Because looking on, like, Stafflet's Flats, Ladhoods, this time with Alan Partridge and Taskmaster are all some of my favourite yeah. things. But They're the things I'm most proud of. That's a good list. But... but but I looked and Time Trumpet is at the start. Oh, yeah. And that's also one of my favourite things. Oh. And that looks like that was kind of a starting yeah, point. So, it was amazing, Yeah, actually. how was that? It's so funny. I've just remembered, without naming names, like I remember really early on going to a meeting, a production company, like a TV production company, and saying something. I'd just done Time Trumpet and saying something about it. Maybe I was trying to write something and I said something a bit like, and it could be like Time Trumpet. And I remember just this producer being like, oh, no, 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 no. No one watched it. No one watched it. And I remember being like, oh, my God, is that how things are like rated? Damn. I remember being like heartbroken. And I came out of the meeting and I thought, oh, my God, like, I'm so naive. I thought they'd be like, wow, like we made Time Trumpet. But it was it wasn't a production company that made it, I should say. It was just this random guy who was like, no, 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 no. As in like, it wasn't a success. Nobody watched it. Yeah. And I thought. I'm, I'm, I'm a big, big, big believer in the fact that the people that you want to work with down the line are the ones who will have watched are, are, yeah. are these things. I spoke to, can't think who it was, Australian guy. His name's completely gone gone from my head, but amazing actor. And he was saying that him and his mates were just thinking they're making these things that no one's going to watch. And then years down the line, every big meeting he's having in, in Hollywood is like, I love you. And, this. and uh, me and Brett Goldstein have always talked about this because he was always very much, I just make the stuff you want to make. Yeah. And in the end, it will pay off. Yeah. And now he's off winning b- b- bloody Emmys and whatnot. <laughs> and again, I think it's a prime example well, of that. I, no, yeah, totally. The right people have seen yeah. it. it. It may not have been seen by... 11 million people yeah. on a Saturday night, but the people who have watched it, probably the ones who are going to turn into something. Yeah, definitely. I was at Warwick at the same time as Brett. Oh, right. <laughs> so I, I I've known know him that. a long time. Yeah. Amazing. It's really funny. He was doing film. And uh, yeah. so we sort of sometimes cross paths in the humanities block. We never had any actual, I don't think we had any lectures yeah. together, but um, yeah, it's really funny. Like we had some like friends in common and stuff like that. I think we hang out loads. I hope he doesn't listen to that and sort of say you're forgetting all the times we have. How dare out. you? I thought <laughs> we, were, we had a moment. We were, <laughs> yeah, I think we were probably at a lot of the same parties and stuff. Um, but he was just like in a really cool gang of people. They were all a bit intimidating. And I remember he had like a cool he had like a black leather jacket, and he was just like a cool guy. And um, but I, I don't it. know if this is a horrible thing to say. Like I was a little bit like. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible, but he wasn't like clowny. He wasn't like funny, funny like some people are. Yeah, he was quite yeah. serious. And I remember thinking, 
what, Bryce doing stand-up? Really? Yeah. <laughs> and then I saw him, I was like, oh, I get it. It's great. I completely agree. Me and Brett have had far more serious conversations yeah. than funny ones in any way. He was way. just but a cool guy. I also guy. love the fact that his one of his favourite films ever is Grease 2. <laughs> so the fact that he was a cool guy in a leather jacket is going to be heaven to him because that... To me, I'm seeing I'm seeing him in Greece. Just <laughs> yeah, with I, a big quiff. I remember that we were both because I was doing quite a lot of plays and stuff, and I I think maybe we maybe that's where we crossed paths. Because I remember I actually do remember I was in a play, and he maybe came up to me afterwards and sort of said, "Oh, you know that you were really good in that play." And I that's my main memory. So he was really sweet, yeah. and I remember that. That and whenever I see him, well, for ages afterwards, actually, whenever I'd see him, he'd like, "Oh, you were in that play I saw. It was really good." Yeah, he's a sweet guy. Thanks. Well, speaking of being intimidated by the cool kids, <laughs> how was it to go on to this time oh, with right. Alan Partridge? Because I mean, pretty much everyone yeah. of of our kind of age, yeah. particularly if you're into comedy or acting, has been influenced, has at uni, I'm sure oh, you were yeah. watching Alan Partridge constantly. I know when I only had one year at uni, I dropped out. I wasn't, I wasn't one of the cool kids. What were you um, studying before you dropped out? Uh, f- f- photography and film. Oh, right. And I kind of went, right, the reality is all I'm here for is to borrow the kit <laughs> that they've got that I wouldn't be able to afford at yeah. home, but I'm getting into tens of thousands of pounds worth of debt and I, my working-class mind couldn't b- balance the, the, that out. I, I was thinking, well, with film and photography, a piece of paper that says I'm good at it isn't as good as a portfolio yeah, that says so I'm true. good at it. So it felt, why am I going to waste, in my mind, waste three years, get into debt that, again, from where I'm from, I may never pay off that debt yeah. if I don't end up doing really well um, for a bit of paper that says he's good at photography, by the way, <laughs> yeah, when I, I could just go off and do photography <laughs> and go, here's what my photography yeah, is. Yeah. If you like it, cool. If not, you go ahead. See so, yeah, that was my, my thing. But yeah, I was watching Alan Partridge constantly at uni on DVD, on video, on whatever else. So how was that to to go and be part of? Yeah, no, no, totally. Same. Yeah, like I remember the, the Knowing Me, Knowing You, the chat show I had on VHS. And yeah, me and my siblings just used to watch it over and over again. And I remember sort of yeah. thinking, oh, I just, I want to be like Rebecca Front. Like yeah. the way she sort of inhabits all these characters and stuff. And so I totally yeah. was raised on it. And then... Yeah, it was nuts. It's funny, like, it's listening to Tim Key, you know, talk about it. And it's obviously more extreme for him. That Yeah. But I remember sure. him, I remember seeing him loads when he first would go in and he'd just, he'd be kind of like white and sort of like, you know, we just like spent the day together. It was just like crazy. Um, but yeah, like <laughs> it was, it was really, I sort of had to leave my body. Like it felt like <laughs> I couldn't like yeah. handle it, but it was real. I remember, um, I, I was only there for a day and um, luckily Tim was in the scene with me, which I was really relieved about just to have like, I could sort of look at him and be like, okay, that, that's yeah. like my anchor to reality. Yeah, um, he's grounded it Yeah, because he's such a like good mate. But um, so I remember like Steve came out, you know, dressed as Alan and it was just like, oh, fucking hell. And even he had like, you know, his socks were like this disgusting, like salmon pink when he crossed his legs yeah. and it showed quite a lot of leg. And I remember, and these kind of loafers, I remember just thinking like, that is the perfect sock. That is the perfect shoe. It's all perfect. And then sort of acting with him, just these like micro expressions, which are just, 
so funny that you kind of want to stop what you're doing and just watch because it's just incredible yeah. and it it was it was it was scary in that the two brothers that write it and directing it you know they're throwing lines at you the script is changing moment by moment and you sort of get right. you're sort of told a new line like once and then it felt it, it was like acting olympics that you have to just like immediately yeah. remember the line and I mean, he's really lovely, but I I felt this real pressure of like you can't you can't go wrong, you can't slip up, you can't yeah. you know you have to like be on it. And but because I but also because I've watched so much, I felt like I knew what to do. It was like a weird feeling of like I kind of know when you're the straight person, you have to still like have something in your eye that says this is comedy, whilst being mm-hmm. really really naturalistic, but also just make sure that he's kind of always the funny one, but but give enough like reaction so he's got something to like react off. So it feels like there's this there's lots like going on. It's really nuanced. <laughs> That's what I think anyway. I was gonna say it's 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 allowing the nuance of the writing to do the the, the comedy. And that's easy to say when you've not just been handed the the line two minutes before you roll. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, but it was you really. Can't just accept and it all. I remember there was a bit where um, he wanted to sort of change this line, and and Alan was going to say something about about that he'd just been to a supermarket or something, and there was like a maybe twenty minute discussion about what the funniest thing would be that Alan would buy in the supermarket, and it was so it was like real like nerding out stuff. Yeah. Because someone would be like, "Apples? Is it apples? No, 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 no. That's not that's not funny." And then I <laughs> I remember thinking, "Oh, this is amazing." But also being like, do I do I suggest something? No, like you know. And um, I think maybe we. I think one of the things he was going to buy was like white. Was like I don't know. I can't even remember. I don't think it made it in, but I think it was like white white rolls. <laughs> it was something really banal, but it was honestly like twenty minutes of like what what's he buying? Like maybe brioche. Maybe that was yeah. the thing. Yeah, but I'm a- instantly, instantly, I'm thinking, and not in case he's listening, not to make a comparison. Instantly, <laughs> I'm thinking of 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 my dad a few a few weeks back asking if I could stop off on the way home and buy him a. a a ciabatta loaf, <laughs> which again just suddenly sounds, suddenly feels hilarious. That that's all that's required, just one ciabatta. Yeah, um, yeah, I definitely, I'm sure someone would have suggested ciabatta. That seems really, it's really partridge. Yeah, definitely, doesn't it? It's so specific. Do you follow the um, accidental partridge? Um, yes. It's, re- it's yes. really good. There's been some real crackers. And they've quoted me a few times, or <laughs> oh, people God, have tagged sorry. me in stuff a few times. And I've, or I've kind of said, if I'm tweeting it, because Partridge has g- g- got into my humour so much, yeah. is it really accidental? Yeah. Like that wasn't a serious tweet, but it was kind of. But yeah, it's that kind of 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 over psychoanalyzing myself. Congratulations, congratulations! But you made it. It's a bit of both. I'd, yeah. I'd I'd spin it as a celebration, and then they'd, it was. they'd be going home thinking, "Oh, was that?" I hope they were laughing like? with. Am with I you? Richard Madeley? <laughs> We're all Richard Madeley deep down. Me and my friend were saying the other day, like that we want to start a podcast where we read some of his novel out loud, and then Richard Madeley talk about it. And I was at the end of the chat. I was like, "Yeah, I'm, but I'm totally serious. I don't know if my friend is, but I really want to do it." It's because I mean, it's really mean and cruel to be rude about people's writing, whatever. But there's a really great radio interview where he was just reading some of it out, and it was just, it was very funny. 
one of the bits that got retweeted um, by accidental partridge of Maidley was him saying about people being done for war crimes, but then saying, <laughs> as far as I know, never charged the Hitler Youth. Yeah, I've seen Never that. Never charged the Hitler roof whenever. But also, I think he was youth. saying right. it on like, good, you know, one of those morning TV shows, wasn't yeah. it? Good morning, Britain. With again, the fact he had a pen in hand just makes it all the funnier for some reason. Just a little. Yeah, he said. Um, hmm? He said something. He said all my novels have like a sense of time, and I thought, like, how could you not have a sense of time? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, before I wrap things up, I need to talk a little bit about. Stuff let's flats because oh, I think it's yeah. absolute it's the, genius. It's the dream think, job of my life. <laughs> it's got to be right, and it, it's such an ensemble piece. Obviously, and Natasha and Jamie's characters can be so extreme, yeah. but yourself, Al, Kill, or everyone are just it, it all works so perfectly together. And I think the thing that I l- love is that it can be ludicrous, it can be over the top, yeah. but then it can have these really intimate and gentle moments as well um like genuinely i couldn't see how it could become in any way nice but when you and jamie or staff had your moments of romance there were points where i was like oh no this is adorable like for a brief moment this is actually really lovely and then not so much and yeah yeah it's like i i honestly think series three is the is the best yeah and it's out really soon i think it's the 25th of october but um yeah, I honestly think it's the best. Like it's 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 really mad this series. It's really gone into like a whole different place. Um but it's <laughs> it is a dream because like we are all such good friends and we all have like the same sense of humour. We make each other laugh. And that I feel like that's the goal really, like is sort of trying to make each other laugh. And I've never I don't think I've ever laughed so much on a on a, a job. It's just a sort of joy and I think it's like when we're together, we all kind of feel like we can really be ourselves and be like really weird. And it's like, it's like totally embraced. And, you know, sometimes I feel like in the past, I'm trying to keep it hidden. (laughs) I'm trying to like say something normal when I'm like improvising and not say it. It it feels like, you know, it's nothing's too kind of odd because yeah, like he, the way he kind of plays with language, I think is so beautiful and, you know, like all the little words he gets wrong and the, the strange yeah. phrases he uses, like, I just love so much. And, um, but yeah, like th- this series more than ever, we did, it was a lot looser, a lot of improvising. And and I think we're a bit more confident in our characters and the relationships and stuff like that. And I, it, it's really lovely that he trusts us to kind of know what's funny about our characters and to... Yeah. And it's amazing how um, we all seem to when we're improvising so they're just there's just like the chemistry's right that we no one like says this real kind of clanger we're all like why did Al say that in that scene yeah it just feels like everyone kind of pitches it right like magic I don't quite know how that happens I think it's because we've spent so much time together and we just kind of yeah but then there, but also it, it it feels a bit like pressure because we really care you know we really care about yeah. it and Sometimes in jobs, I can sort of rein it in a bit and think, oh, that'll do. But it's like, we really care and it makes it quite intense, you know, because I think we're all a little bit, we get really perfectionistic about it. And especially when you're improvising, you kind of think, oh, fuck, like, you know, like the day Julia Davis was there and, and I'm just thinking, oh, my God, like, 
you I have to just say I have to improvise in front of her like are you kidding yeah this is hell yeah. yeah it was terrifying but good when it's done the feeling afterwards is like one of like oh we've created something really special I love it and it it, it must be a I can completely understand just you're saying there of the feeling of of the pressure because you care so much because yeah. equally particularly Jamie and Natasha's characters are so ludicrous that I can completely see how you could end a day and go, was that, was that brilliant? Or was that yeah. absolute f- 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 a fucking nonsense? Have we just dicked about <laughs> yeah, for yeah, this? Yeah. Have, have we made something beautiful? Yeah, or exactly. Yeah. I did we go too far? Me and, kind of yeah, thing, like, you know? me, me and Ellie would always like get car home together quite often. And we'd sort of say like, Surely that can't go on TV though, right? Like that bit where we yeah. were all like dancing. Are they going to use that? the ring? Like what? <laughs> yeah. Like surely, surely that bit. <laughs> yeah. So like the bits where we get carried away, you just think, hang on. Like this, this surely to God, this won't be allowed. It's so strange. <laughs> I think the beauty is this, is, is the characters that have been created. Again, similar to Partridge it feels like you guys know the characters well enough that you can kind of take it anywhere I've been on sets before where I've come home thinking I've had the best fun but I don't know if any of that will translate like we've laughed all day on set but it feels like it might be a bit of an (laughs) in-joke whereas you've found the characters so perfectly that even when it is kind of an in-joke it translates because yeah. those characters are relatable and you can yeah definitely and I, I know it gets across I've definitely been in situations when I was maybe a bit younger where so if if like the director was really laughing at something I'd like keep going I'd keep doing it and then afterwards I think oh but hang on he had a really shit sense of humour so why did I do that yeah, yeah, <laughs> like really yeah. like people please he just like well I guess someone yeah. was laughing so I just that, did it that felt lovely yeah, for yeah, me yeah. in the moment and then afterwards but I how think about- hang on that was terrible <laughs> They've got a terrible sense of humour. What have I done? So, yeah, yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky, like, to keep your sense of some sort of integrity, I guess. I'm better at it now. Like, there was something recently, there was a line that I wasn't comfortable saying. And it's awful because in my there's this conversation in my head of, like, well, you know, are they going to say, who do you think you are? Are they going to, like, roll their eyes? And then this other voice is like, yes, but, like, it's it's you saying it permanently recorded forever <laughs> like you have yeah. to say something and but i still find it a bit stressful definitely to have to say i'm really not comfortable saying that yeah yeah i i, I can completely see that is finding what's right in yeah. in the moment I, I i had a big breakthrough on on my own like a, a self-criticism of wanting to improvise a bit or throw things in and thinking oh is everyone going to be like what the fuck are you doing? Um, <laughs> I then thought back on the sets I'd been on. How often had I th- had anyone said anything? And I'd thought, what? You kind of just go, oh wow, yeah. You know, we've tried something. It's the same with as we were talking earlier with the confidence of, of writing oh, yeah, a book. Definitely, is you don't generally read a book and go, who the, f- <laughs> the fuck does this person think they are? Yeah. You go, oh wow, this is great. This is an author. Yeah. And again, it's it's giving you yourself that role and respect. Yeah, definitely. In that realm as well, right? Yeah. If I, when I read something that almost seems quite arrogant, I I kind of love it. It's like it's really refreshing. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, completely. That's that's what they think. Okay. Bravo. Yeah, I yeah. think great. Why not? Yeah, I definitely like the first time I think I was on a set and I sort of saw someone really confidently just improvise and go off script. I remember thinking like, oh my god, I don't know you could do that. 
but yeah it's it's taken me a while to it's always tricky to to judge it to know if you're kind if that's kind of allowed or not it's all a bit yeah it kind of depends i think yeah the confidence to go do you mind if i play about on this one or just to do it obviously yeah someone was telling me an actor friend of mine there was like a big famous sort of popular drama series and like they that they've been in and if they don't say it, if they don't literally say it and the full stop and like the um and someone like stops and says no. Yeah. You know, really, I, I think that sounds quite, I don't know, tricky. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? But it's, again, it's the right situation f- for the right kind of writing, the yeah. right kind of performance, the right kind of drama. I know people... or. or Easy example here. Again, I was, I was, I was going to start speaking about things I probably shouldn't speak about, but easy example is uh, when I had, had Simon Pegg on, he spoke about when he was doing, uh, when he'd written a Star Wars film and one of the actors was changing a bit of dialogue. He didn't know that that dialogue was a reference. It was literally the line skipped to the end, which is was Simon's l- little nod to space. Uh, and he was just saying... Let's get on with it. Let's move on. And he had to kind of say, look, that's fine, but it's literally only there for a small... It's an Easter egg. It's nothing important, but if you can make it, skip to the end. So, yeah, yeah it depends on the on the moment, I guess. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I've really, really embarrassed myself where I've improvised something and then it's, like, it's shown how little I've, like, read the, <laughs> read the script. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I'm in, like, something a little bit and I think, oh, I kind of half read it, it's fine. And then I yeah. turn up and start riffing about being like somewhere <laughs> the wrong date it's set in or some shit like so, that. No, no, no. You've read that completely <laughs> wrong. Yeah, I mean I, I honestly <laughs> I did day on something once. It was set in like nineteen ninety five and I thought it was like modern day. I was so confused. I had no Amazing. idea. I was like riffing about my iPhone. Didn't make any sense. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to be careful. <laughs> This doesn't work in the slightest. Okay, yep, no problem. You have to be careful. Well, I I don't want to take up too much of your time, so I'm only going to ask one Taskmaster question. Oh, yeah, no, I got it. I loved it. I loved it. Because it's just the best show. It's got to be a dream gig. But um, you came in third place. Are you happy with how Catherine and Kerry fought your corner on the episodes that you had to miss? That was so weird, yeah. You, you, you didn't win either of those episodes and potentially, if you'd got a win there, if you'd been there, there, there fighting your corner, Ed Gamble might not have been able to boast about this it for really, a year or two since. It, it was so <laughs> surreal, yeah. So I, I missed two shows because I was ill and yeah. and obviously, like, I w- it was quite serious. I mean, you know, it was serious enough that I had no choice. And, yeah, um, of course. I mean, I don't know what I'm, I'm being mysterious about. I had to have my goals gallbladder removed <laughs> so I had oh, to wow. have like major yeah. surgery and um yeah that's but I remember huge. being in like in the hospital and I was almost like pulling the the drip out of my arm and I was trying to like make my way to the the exit to get there and then they were like you, you let me God. through <laughs> we were saying to the nurses like I'm having on tv tonight and I think they thought I was like having a psychotic a delusion <laughs> I was like I've got to be on tv Imagine if they'd made you like a, a plush red bed to have in there, so you could be have a little hospital bed at the end of the run of people. If there'd been a live Zoom link up of, of me from yeah. my hospital bed, God, that would have been yeah. funny. So I was really five points all round, surely. If you're literally from your bed, I was so gutted not to be there, and I just thought this is 
it, this has not happened in the whole history of the series. Like everyone has managed to actually be there in the show. So good reason, good valid reason. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm I mean it was. But so I was. So when they said that that's what they were going to do, I was kind of like, oh, actually, that that's cool. Like those are two really lush women. Yeah. Like they're both. Yeah. It's both K's. You know, couldn't have asked for better. I didn't watch those yeah. eps for ages because I just thought it might be too weird. Yeah. Because it's kind of weird to hear yourself like talked about like you're not in the room. It just I was, I was, I was going like, to say oh, more the talking about yeah, you than, than anything else. Thought, it's oh God, what if someone says something really sort of horrible? Anyway, so I I didn't watch it for a while, but yeah, I mean it was it was great. I think they did an amazing job, and it was obviously very last minute. And um, yeah, but I know I was so gutted about that. And um, a friend of mine did say to me. I think they worked out the exact moment where I fucked it. And I think it was that I miscounted some ping pong balls. And they said, if I'd not done that, then I could have won. And when I realised mm. that, I was so gutted because I didn't realise how much yeah. I cared. But it's funny because I really wanted to win. I just didn't demonstrate it. So when people sort of said to me, oh, you know, Ed and Rose were so competitive. What was that like? I was like, I, I was trying to win. Did you not see that? <laughs> I was genuinely trying to win. So That almost feels disrespectful on their part no that that was me doing my best yeah i was like what do you mean i didn't care (laughs) i I was really really i i i was really considered and i really tried to do the best in everything so i mean it would have been lush to win but maybe it's quite cringe to win (laughs) maybe you don't want to win it's yeah it's it's better to be the the only person ever to have had that's that's standings that's that (laughs) that stands out that's a unique thing right It's really, I love it. It was really weird feeling, and also I got quite a lot of messages on Twitter, being people being like, "What's what? The, what's wrong with you?" And um, so that just it just seemed very dramatic. Also, yeah. because two were filmed in one day, it looked like I'd been that ill for right. Two weeks. Yeah, of course. But it was just one day. I was in hospital for like one day, and it was the day that they recorded two. So I hope that's yeah. not giving too much away. So that seems like you're in hospital for yes, two weeks. Yes, it seemed like I was dying. So that yeah. was weird. Um, oh, and then when I came back, I was on quite a strong painkillers, and I don't really remember that. Episode. I remember, <laughs> I just remember like Joe Brandlesser as an ex-psychiatric nurse being like, "Right, let, let me look at the tablets. Okay, take this one with food. You know, take this one every four. Like, you know, she just sorted yeah. me out. And I remember Brilliant. saying to her, like, "Will you, if I seem like I'm going to faint or something or throw up, will you like stop the show?" And she was like, yeah. But they were very sweet. They they had someone on standby. They were very like, are you sure? Are you sure? Oh, and I was amazing. like, what can go wrong? It's it's telly. And all I have to do is sit in a chair. And um, yeah, you know, I can't digest solids yet, but that's fine. And, and equally, like, you're not going to miss two more. People think you were in hospital for a full <laughs> month. That's yeah, just I mean, unbelievable. It would have been quite weird if I just never came, came back. I, that would have been quite yeah. sad, wouldn't it? You let me know how I did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, yeah. Well, Put it in the I'll, post. Just tweet me. Let me know what place what place I came. Yeah. At least I didn't come last, well, so. No, you did great. Well, I mean, to wrap things up, as as as, as said, we've gone well over oh the hour. Oh, my goodness. Aside oh, no, don't from worry. The book, it was great. It went so quickly. It did. It flew by. But what's ahead for you? I, again, IMDb can be unreliable. Oh, I saw yeah. a short on there mm-hmm. with Youssef, who I think is amazing, Hamsbury Book Club, but yeah. Oh yeah. What else well, is ahead? that was about four years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think 
on Wikipedia and IMDb... There's so it's... many times I've brought things up that are on IMDb and the person's had to go, no, that project died, no, that stopped, yeah, that's what it, happened. I'm like, my, oh, um, sorry, didn't mean I've to... I've stopped looking because it's so inaccurate. Like, my birth date's wrong yeah. on there. Like, there's so much of where I was born. So much stuff is wrong on the internet. But anyway, I've stopped caring. Um, <laughs> so staff is... Starts, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's... If, if October the 25th is a Tuesday, that's when it starts. I just finished a series that Jack Rook has written. Do you know him? I love yeah, Jack. Yeah, he's lush, isn't he? He's so lovely. I'm really excited um, about He's that written series. a really lovely, sweet show. So I just finished that. And then I'm trying to... I've written a script kind of based on the book, roughly. Yeah. That I'm just kind of chatting... Um, to people about now which is looking you know it's it's got some interest so we'll see that that would be that would be a dream come true to to you know write something and get it made um and I'm just sort of thinking about what another book might be yeah and then ghosts am I allowed to say that I'm always getting into trouble I get into trouble all the time for like announcing things when they haven't been announced uh that starts in January so I've got a couple of months to just try and do some writing I guess so I, I should do that, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's me basically. Find your writing spot. Try writing by some some water and let yeah, me know how it goes because that became a big a big breakthrough for me. The problem became that all the water is about an hour away. Uh, so I'd be go I'd be tra- I'd be travelling an hour <laughs> to get ten minutes of writing done. They go, that's a good day's work. <laughs> it would be funny if I wrote like the, the world's first like sitcom set underwater because I wrote it by the water and we have to film it in like in a submarine or something (laughs) everyone like acting swimming along (laughs) I'd love that everything having to be set in in one of them pools where you have to pretend you can you imagine that'd be so fun that'd be so fun well, there's some inspiration there I'm sure that's on the cards well thank you very much for your time it's been an absolute pleasure oh thank you yeah it was delightful thank you they were really good good questions and um thank you for asking them thank you very much <laughs> thank you. Stop. oh yeah You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Katie Wicks. I told you it was a good one. What a lovely human. I really enjoyed her. As said, I'm a fan of her work anyway. The new series of Stafflet's Flats is so good. I've binged all of it. I've binged a lot. I should have mentioned that in the in the intro. It wasn't out when we recorded this, but since it's come out, I've binged the whole lot and absolutely adored it. The edition of Charlie Cooper uh, curtain from from this country is glorious. Everything about it was just, yeah, I love it. As I mentioned, Delicacy is Katie's new book, a memoir about cake and death. I recommend you get that ordered immediately. It tells her story through, as you heard, through 21 moments that involve cake and indeed death. Thank you for tuning in. I'll be back next week with an equally amazing episode. I chatted with Liam Williams and again, it was like catching up with a mate. It was, I love those conversations that are like that. And Liam is really one of them as this one was. If you enjoyed this week, you will adore next week. So yeah, this has been the Distraction Pieces podcast. 
I'll see you next week. Until then, go and buy some merch from the web store because Christmas is coming and, you know, I need to 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 buy um carrots to leave for rudolph yeah and i'll see you next week until then stay safe and stay sane ta-ta late bloomers tend to have more curiosity they tend to have more resilience their stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men what if everything we've been taught is just all wrong what's worth more than this fear right now and that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being listen to deeply personal insightful and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers listen and subscribe to the unmistakable creative wherever you get your podcasts Yes.